Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one is our text. We started this this morning, verse one, and got about halfway through the sermon, and it was time to shut it down and come back tonight and finish it up. So that's what we're doing tonight. And um, you know, we we pointed out this morning about Peter, all of his failures. So I want you to think about this as we're going through the message. This man and all his failures, guess what? God breathed out every word of First and Second Peter to him. Now think about that. Trusted him to write it down. So no matter how far you fall, you can always come back to him as long as you have breath within you. And that's the great thing about it. Well, let's read that verse again. Simon Peter... A servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, shall we pray? Now, Father, I pray as we delve into this word tonight that you would help us, Lord, to understand it. Teach it again once to us, Lord. I, I need you to be the power that holds our attention and to be the power that drives home the message. So I pray that thy Holy Ghost would do exactly that in this service tonight to glorify your name. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, as I said this morning, we saw our position Peter looked at himself as a, as a servant, a doulos, the lowest. Of, there were five Greek words we told you that were translated servant, but the lowest of those was the word doulos, and that's what Peter is. He is the lowest of those uh, servants. And yet, uh, God gives him a high calling in that he is an apostle. Same word used for ambassador, or a form of the same Greek word used for ambassador. One who is sent. So a failure that Peter was with all those failures, God makes him an apostle. And so I appreciate that so very much. And we, we used the idea of Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verses uh, 8 through 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And that's how we're saved, is by the grace of God. We don't, we don't get saved any other way. No other way. It's God's grace, or we don't make it, okay? God saves us. We come to Him for that salvation. We come to Him not deserving it. We can't come to Him and say, Lord, yeah, now you need to save me, because, boy, I really deserve it. We can't do that. But He also said, for we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God has a specific call. And that's one of the things that we left you with this morning is to seek that call. That It's already been decided by God before the foundations of the world. What he wanted you to do individually in this time right now. What he wanted you to be doing. What he wanted your life to be accomplishing. He had already decided that long before you were ever born. Isn't it interesting that uh, Brother Randy is talking about the heartbeat bill? <laughs> King David said, in sin I was conceived. Not talking about that it was an illicit relationship between mom and dad, but rather he inherited a sin nature at the very moment of conception life began. The Bible teaches life begins at conception, by the way. That's what the Bible teaches. Now, uh, I know the world disagrees with that. 
But the world's going to be proved wrong one day before God. Okay? I'm very confident of that. Very, very confident of that. The world is going to be proved wrong. Uh, my wife's had four miscarriages. Okay? I believe that we'll meet those children for the first time in heaven. Okay? We'll meet all four of them in heaven for the first time. And I'll tell you what, being with Jesus, they may be a whole lot happier than they would have been with us. Okay? So, uh, I, I understand that very, very thoroughly. So, we need to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then these things shall be added unto you, Jesus said in Matthew six thirty-three. <laughs> You're not going to seek for it. See, most people want an added, then they'll seek. No, you seek. He adds. That's the way you work. I mean, you get a job, they don't pay you, and then you work. You do the work, and then you get paid. Okay? That's the way it's supposed to be. And so, uh, we find that it's just the way God does it. So, we see our position. Sinners saved by the grace of God. But let's look at the purchase of it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, we read this, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your, in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When you gave yourself to Jesus Christ, he had actually purchased you with a price that you could not pay. For you to pay it, you had to be able to die, be buried, resurrect your body, make your body eternal, and ascend up into heaven. You can't do that. And even if you could, you still didn't have a righteousness to, act, to lay at the, uh, the mercy seat of God. So again, when we think about it, we are saved by the grace of God. And here is one that says, you were bought with a price, a price we could not pay. That's why it's a precious faith. You know, something that's precious is of great value. Very few can afford uh, precious stones. You know, you'll read in the papers about somebody paying a million dollars for a diamond. Okay, and, and you get around guys like me. They can make a fake diamond look exactly like it, and I won't know the difference. But those who know will know the difference. There are a lot of people that have a salvation, they think, that they try to make it look like the real thing, but it's not because it hasn't come through Jesus Christ. We are bought with a price, therefore, this price that you could pay, and, and you received it of Jesus Christ, therefore, remember therefore, you start off here, you're heading that direction, therefore, as you're heading that direction, if it said wherefore, it means stop right now and take care of everything here that he's talking about, but here therefore, therefore means that you take care of as you're going along, therefore, as you walk life's journey, Glorify God in your body, and what else? And in your spirit, which are God's. You see, as the song says, now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. Not for the years of time alone, in other words, here on earth. Not for the years of time alone, but for eternity. We're his. We were purchased with that price. And that's what we have uh, that has come to us. 1 Corinthians 7, 23 says, ye are Bought with a price. Be you not the servants of men. <laughs> Don't give in to man's opinion. Don't give in to man's philosophy. 
You were bought with a price that's far above anything that man has. So just simply trust God. So, so as we go on into the next part of our text, we see here in verse 1, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. But my friend, it was obtained through Jesus Christ. You know, there are things that, as I said, we just uh, can't obtain or don't have the ability to obtain in this life. My wife and I were living in Arizona. We went out there for a year. And um, a church there in Tucson, Arizona, had asked me to come and speak at a Thanksgiving night or some, some kind of a thing where they were having a, a hayride, just a bunch of things for the church. It was at a park. And we went there, and I spoke. And uh, being that kind of a setting... I, I joked around with them a little bit uh, in the early part and then gave the plan of salvation. But there's a young lady there. I didn't know till later that she was Catholic. I thought she was a member of the church there. It's a good, solid church. But she came up to me afterwards. She says, oh, I so enjoyed everything you had to say and all that. And she says, look, I'm responsible uh, for getting together uh, people to come for our uh, Christmas banquet. She says, a speaker. And she says, that falls on me. And uh, the insurance company I work for uh, gave me that responsibility. I said, I've never sold a lick of insurance. I don't even know it, except that you got to die if you got life insurance. And you got to get hurt very badly if you got health insurance to get any benefit out of it, you know. And so I, I, I'm thinking, you know, I really don't have a not. I shouldn't be. She said, no, we just want you to be a motivational speaker. I mean, that's back in 1983, a motivational speaker. Does that sound good? So I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to hear to an insurance company. I wasn't even sure which insurance company it was, but I'm going here to this insurance company for a bunch of salesmen. Guess what? I was totally wrong. It wasn't a bunch of salesmen. It was all the executives of all the insurance companies of the state of Arizona. I mean, I'm walking into this room that they have rented uh, from a hotel downtown. And, and there are all these Hart Schaffner Marks suits. I'm in my Kmart sport coat. So I'm walking into this place thinking I'm talking to salesmen immediately find out that's not what I'm talking to. We, they have a set tables. I'm sitting at this one table. And they've got wine and all that. What do you want to drink? Water. You know, it, I mean, we didn't want to have anything thinking of, of anything else. And, and so here are these guys were at the table. And I said, man, I got to do something. So when they start bringing the food, I said, I hope you guys don't mind. But my wife and I, we pray before we eat. Is that all right with you all? Because we're going to pray anyhow, you know. And it, oh, yeah. And so I prayed. And, you know, they all got quiet, bowed their head and all that. And then we started eating. During the meal, these guys are talking, and so I'm, we're, we're just kind of sitting there listening, okay? I'm there as a speaker. She's there as the eye candy. Or was it? No, oh yeah, yeah, I was the speaker, and she was the eye candy. But now, this, this is what I'm saying, though, is that I listen to those guys speak. And, and as they're talking, they're saying, yeah, I went to Zimbabwe this, you know, this past summer. And, and then they were talking about these different places they went around the, the world, some in South America, some in Africa, and some in other places of the world, and they were talking about that. <laughs> I'd never gotten anything like that. And so I'd remembered I'd been in Ocala 
about a year before that. So uh, I said, yeah, I said, you know, we just moved out here. We're getting things established and started. The last place I got to go to was Zuber. They said, oh, yeah, 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 you know. And so I realized these guys were trying to outdo each other, you know, about their great things. And they all act like, you know, none of them wanted to feel like they were dummies, you know. So, oh, Zuber. And if they would have asked me, I said, yeah, they've got a tremendous raceway there, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, just went on, and then it was time to speak. And I got up and just, I said, well, let's just tell a few jokes. And I just went into the gospel. When I got finished, and I went through a prayer and everything with them, it was interesting because they have you stand at the front and the people come by. There were, I'd say about half of them came by and shook hands, and several of them came by and said, I never thought I'd ever hear anything like that said at a place like this. Never. Never. These, these guys probably have never heard that. And they were Christians saying that. They were so glad that you did that. There were others that never came through the line, just kind of stood up and be like, I don't know if they ever killed that Catholic girl or not. I don't know. But one thing I learned is that we did not belong in that society. It was far beyond me. But if I'm there, then just go ahead and give them the gospel because they're probably not getting it where they are, you know. And so that's what I did. I didn't belong to that society. But let me tell you something else. I don't belong to the society of Paul, Peter, and John. Those men are much better caliber than I am. As a matter of fact, don't mention my name with the, the, the great names such as men as, as Robertson and Hiles and Rice and other names of that caliber. I'm not in that line. As a matter of fact, I was uh, the man in my first church was a police officer, and he wanted me to go with him. So I went with him and on a ride, you know, and he stopped wanting to eat. And... He said, you, you know who you remind me of? Now, I had had enough conversations to know that either Jack Howells, Lee Robertson, or John R. Rice were his heroes. And so when he said that in my mind, I was going to be Mr. Humble. Oh, don't, don't compare me with those great men of God. And so I'm ready for that. You know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm a, I'm a quit man. I'm ready for him to say that so I can be humble. I says, no, who do I remind you of? He said, Dick Van Dyke. I tell you what, you about to talk about the air going out of the balloon, it, you know. Now, I say that I don't belong in that group either. But guess what? I have the same Holy Spirit that any of those great men of God have. I was saved by the same grace that they were saved by. Um, and by the way, you say, well, you know, those men have 100% of the Holy Spirit. I do too. If you're saved, you do too. See, the question is not how much of the Holy Spirit. When you get saved, you get all of them. It's how much of you does the Holy Spirit have. That's the question, you see. And so uh, I possess that same Holy Spirit. 
Because in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes into the Father but by me. And that's why I decided I'm going to go is through him. And he accepted me. Acts 4, 12, there's none other name given among men whereby you must be saved. Peter, John, and all those other guys had to be saved that same way. So again, as a Christian, it's not how much of the Holy Ghost do you have, it's how much of you does he have. Our salvation comes by a free will. Whosoever, whosoever will may come. And in my Christian life, I was saved by the grace of God. But let me tell you something that's usually uh, overlooked. Living the Christian life is also by the grace of God. You can't do it in your own strength and power. We're saved by grace, and we live the life that Christ wants us to live by His grace. Now, he says, obtain like precious faith. The word obtain has the idea of fully acquired, either by force or by payment. What was the payment? For the wages, what we've earned, what we have come to us, the wages of sin is death. Final, complete separation from God forever in the lake of fire. That's what I earned. I earned it 100% so. You'd have to. We're born sinners. So, the wages, what I've earned, what I have come to me is death, final, complete separation from God forever in that lake of fire. In that place, as Matthew 25, 41, Jesus said, that was prepared for the devil and his angels, but yet their people been sent there because they rejected the salvation that's in Christ Jesus. Satan has us from the moment we are uh, conceived. We're conceived in sin. But payment for us has to be accepted by us. Because we cannot do it ourselves. We cannot earn it ourselves. We cannot have eternal life by ourselves. Isn't it interesting? The Bible tells us that Jesus preached to the spirits in prison. When his spirit went down, his body remained in the tomb and his spirit went down. And people say, did he suffer in hell? No, I don't think he suffered in hell because he said it's finished on the cross. But I think that he saw the people in hell. He even reminded the spirits that were down there and told them of what was coming. And he arose victorious over hell and over the grave. He arose victorious over all of that. That was my Jesus. But now my Christian life has to be by his grace. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in it. Now again, here's Peter. We saw all his failures this morning. And yet God calls this man, not only uses him, but we also find out that this same man, Peter, is given these words to write. The Holy Spirit only used holy men because those were the only ones he would trust to write down every word exactly like he gave it. Now, I know there are men today that rebel against that. Oh, no, 
God inspired their thoughts and they used their words and their style. No, God gave them every word. And if God gives you every word, that ought to be your style. You know? So, God gave them every word. But he was called to be a servant of God. Now, in vocation, he had been a fisherman. He had been a fisherman. So, in vocation... He was a fisherman, but he left all that he was trained to do, all that he knew to do. He left that to serve the Lord and do God's will, God's way. Did he slip up along the line? Yes, he had failures along the line. We all do. Uh, whether you realize or not, I believe even Paul had uh, failures along the way, that even though people like to think of Paul as being somebody that never sinned again, no, he sinned daily just like we do. He said, I die daily. But you know, when I think of that, his workmanship, God had a specific plan, and he has a specific plan for you. That's what Ephesians 2.10 tells He has a very specific plan for you. Can't help but go back to Numbers chapter 16, when Korah, Dathan, and Abiram are rebelling and saying, Moses, you and Aaron take too much upon you. Let us run the show. Well, everything they've done so far as a witness is that they complained against God the whole way. Instead of being able to make it an 11-day journey, it became a 40-year journey because of men like them. And that's when God opens the ground and they're swallowed and then thousands die. And you think about that. Here are men that wanted to do God's work that they chose, not what God chose for them. Moses did God's work but sometimes he would say, Lord, why have you put all these people on me? And yet when God said, I'm going to kill them all and make a nation out of you, Moses says, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And he intercedes for those people. So the position we have has been purchased for us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a position of a child of God. And the price was paid. But there's a third thing I want you to see out of this. We receive our position on the same level as Peter. That is a like precious faith. We're saved the same way. And we're saved by the same person. That goes for all of us. And it is the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says there in the last part of the verse. And look at that again. Through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, is what the Greek grammar authorities call a Greek couplet. There is a rule of grammar in a Greek couplet, which is this. When there are two adjective nouns in the same couplet, they refer to the same subject. Great God and Savior refers to Jesus Christ. He was God come in the flesh. He was Emmanuel. He was the one who came and paid our penalty for us. And we are accepted in Him.
and it's by his righteousness. Have you ever thought of this? Adam and Eve were not created righteous. Uh, They were created without sin, uh, but they weren't created righteous. They had a free will because they were created in God's image, and God is the Spirit, and God has a free will. Created in that image, their free will, they were tempted, they gave into the temptation, and they sinned. They sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. And so their righteousness fell short. Their own righteousness went against them. Jesus Christ said he did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. He fulfilled it. People who die without Christ are judged by the law. Do you realize that? Not just Jews. People that die because he gave a standard of righteousness. And we're not talking about dietary things. We're just talking about the standards that that are there, those uh, things that are there. They'll be judged by that. And Jesus, as a matter of fact, made some of those things uh, higher, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then the Lord said, well, those that even think in their mind. Wow. It's even higher than we thought. And so here's Christ. He came to fulfill the law, and he fulfilled all righteousness. There was no sin ever in him. He was a worthy, spotless sacrifice. No one else could be a sacrifice for us. Jesus had to be the sacrifice because the sacrifice required a holy, spotless, without sin, Lamb of God, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he became our sacrifice. This was the cost to obtain this precious faith. This was the cost to obtain our salvation. And this righteousness is of Christ. It's his righteousness. When he went forward, rose from the dead, and he says to Mary Magdalene, touch me not, I've not yet ascended. Now they will touch him later, that's after he's ascended, but why? Because he's going to lay the blood on the mercy seat in heaven. And behind that blood is this understanding that it is totally, completely righteous and pure. And it was... That kind of blood that it took to save us from our sin because that's how bad sin is in the sight of God. Even what we think is just a little sin. I mean, think about it. What did Adam and Eve do? Don't eat of this fruit. If you do, you, you die. You now we've said that to our kids. You get some of that candy before supper, you're going to die. Okay. Well, we don't follow through on that, fortunately. But, that was the wage of sin because God is an all-holy God. See, in this life, I got saved from the power of sin and the penalty of sin. It's not until I get to heaven that I get saved from the presence of sin. Until then, it's with me each and every day. So here, here's, here we are with a righteous sacrifice. So Romans 10.10 10 says, for with the heart, with your life, 
Man believeth unto righteousness, not man's righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Why? Because the verse before that said, That thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord, his deity, Jesus, his humanity. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. You believe that shed blood was for you, that it was pure, it was righteous. And so therefore, you receive him as your Lord and Savior and allow his righteousness to stand before you. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted. How? He says, accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption. We've been bought back because we belong to the devil from the moment we were conceived. We were belonging to the devil, but we were bought back by that blood in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches, the riches of his grace. None of us have those kind of riches to purchase our salvation. Jesus did it for us, so we are accepted in the beloved. And so, we receive that. This is why, again, it's called a precious, it's a valuable, a precious faith. Again, it's not my faith that was purchased. It was the doctrine of salvation. He paid the penalty in full. I simply received it, and as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. It is so rich and so free. It's of rare value, and there was only one in all history who could purchase it. And he did. And that's why I said that same precious faith that saved Peter is the same precious faith that saves us. We have a story to tell to the nations because that was God's desire. That is God's desire that all men may know. And how powerful is that salvation? When he said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, that he, he shed his blood not only for us, but for the sins of the whole world, he says. And how powerful is that? I use this verse many times because I believe it's verses of hope. In 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Fornication, by the way, is the Greek word porneia. We get our word pornography from it. And sexual sin of any kind. It's a general term for any kind of a sexual sin. Fornicators, nor idolaters nor adulterers, marital uh, cheating, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, looking now at the homosexuality, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers. The revelers are the party, party and social drinking crowd. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He says, these, are, these don't go to heaven. But then he says, and such were some of you. See, they don't go to heaven that way. He says, but ye are washed. How are they washed? By the blood of Jesus Christ. The song says, are you washed in the blood? But ye are sanctified. How? You're set apart by God for his service. 
his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works that he has before ordained that we should walk in them. But ye are justified just as if I had never sinned because his righteousness has stood in my place and he has cleansed me. Ye are justified by the name of the Lord Jesus and the spirit of our God. You know, when I look at that list of people like that, you, you, you know what is a problem? I don't want that person in my church. Well, they got saved. Well, I, I don't care if they got saved. I don't want them around my children. Well, then, if you're saying that, you're worse than the person what you think that person is. If they've been saved and changed by Jesus Christ, well, you're saying to God, which is a very blasphemous thing, is to say, I don't think that his power can change them. So now you're saying there's a sin that's greater than the power of God. I wouldn't go there if I was you. I just wouldn't go there. He can save, he can cleanse, and the Bible gives us example after example, and even here in 1 Corinthians, such were some of you. That's why Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. See, he not only saves us by his blood, he not only by his righteousness makes us accepted, but he constantly, daily, day and night, intercedes for us before the throne of God. And so he can take the guttermost and save them to the uttermost. We must believe that so that we'll take a message to the world. As I've said before, I believe that America is in trouble. Just some of the things Brother Randy shared with us tonight tells us this, this state is in trouble. This world is in trouble. And what's going to change it is a revival of salvation and a turning from sin of God's people and allowing Jesus Christ to be first in their lives. That means men in the pew. That means people as we go out into our various walks of life, we've got to be a light. He has set us here as a light in the world. You see, it's not just a preacher or an evangelist or somebody supposed to be a light. We're all lights. If you're saved, you're to be a light. He said, well, you don't understand, preacher. I, I, I'm a fisherman like Peter. I just go out and fish. <laughs> we have a radio program, Brother Mund, who is a fisherman, got saved. Now, multitudes get saved through his ministry. It's on a radio station. There are men who are Christian businessmen that God has used them and souls have gotten saved. They're a light where they are. You're working in a job. So, man, these are a bunch of heathens here. Well, praise God. They're a bunch of heathens. God put you there as a light. I don't like that bus ministry because, boy, it brings in these kids. They've never grown in church. They've got terrible families and all that. They're a bunch of mean, bad kids. Praise God. God has given them a hope through you, sharing with them the gospel of Christ. So again, the opportunity is there. We just have to take advantage of it. The position, the purchase, and the person can be all yours. Because whosoever will may come. 
That's why when we get to 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <laughs> That's his desire. And he uses us to take that word. He has called us to take that word. We find in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, he says that he'd have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's up to us. And you can be the status quo kind of Christian that says, okay, I'm saved. And I'm happy with that. And be ashamed at his appearing without reward. Or you can seek with your whole heart, what has God ordained for me? Because he already ordained those works. And seek them with your whole heart. And let no man, no thing, keep you from pursuing that. Knowing that our reward is eternal and it never passes away. Oh, men may laugh at you, men may mock you, men may hate you, men may do things against you. But understand, when you're standing with the Lord, you're standing on the side of the Lord. Walk with Jesus. Why? Well, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know... Do you know this? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, he's going to reward it. Let's bow our heads, please.